hope you are all doing very well. I uh, know it is straight up five o'clock, but I'm an operations person, so I have to start like on time. I can't, I can't do it a couple minutes late. Uh, I have already had some questions about what we're going to be teaching, uh, how long I'll be teaching. I'm going to give all that in my introduction. Uh, but the first couple things I want to do is I've had a couple of prayer requests, and so we'll knock those out uh, fairly early on. I'll share those. First off, we have a lot of teachers and students uh, starting a new school year this week, uh, so keep them in mind. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot better than last year. <laughs> I don't see how it could be worse, and, uh, but there's still going to be some challenges this year, so we'll get through that. Uh, I uh, was not positive I would be here tonight and then end up making a decision that I would be. Um, I have got to go uh, to Birmingham and staff one of my facilities because my one of my pregnant pharmacists just tested positive for COVID yesterday. Uh, so I've got to go cover her uh, and be well. So keep Anna Huff in your prayers and her husband, I do not know his name. They've tested positive. Uh, and then I have, an em I have an employee that had an accident uh, with a lawnmower, and so she's still trying to recover that. Her name is Kim Hitchcock. She goes to the Mayfield Church. And then if you know David Crump, who does our sound and video, uh, David has been in the hospital on the vent with COVID for well over a week now. I'm not sure where he's at now. I haven't heard a most recent update, other than I know he's still in the hospital and they're trying to wean him off. Uh, so keep those in your prayers. I know we know about the outbreaks at uh, some other congregations and those types of things. Uh, so be aware of those. So before we start class, I will go ahead and do uh, say a prayer for the ones that we just mentioned. Let us bow. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful for all that you have given us, all that you have blessed us with, Heavenly Father. It is an absolutely beautiful day out there today, Heavenly Father, and we love your creation. We love studying about it, learning about it, Heavenly Father, and how we were created to give you glory. And Lord, we know we have people that are starting school, teachers and students and administrators alike, Heavenly Father. We pray that you will help them in every way, Lord, to return healthy and safe. We pray that their first day jitters will be calmed, Heavenly Father. Things will go smooth for them, Lord. Lord, we know there are a number that have uh, COVID right now. We pray that you will be with them, help those cases to be mild and, and limiting, and that they can return to their normal walks of life soon. We pray that this uh, epidemic will be removed from our land as soon as possible, Lord. Uh, we know you can do all things, Lord, and we pray that you will uh, remove this from us as a scourge as we continue to have to deal with it. We pray, Lord, that you will be with those uh, that have lost loved ones, those that are sick and suffering from other illnesses and diseases, Lord. And Lord God, we pray that you'll be with us as we go through this study, uh, both tonight and for the next quarter, Heavenly Father, that it will be profitable uh, to all those that are here. Lord God, we thank you so much for your Son. It's in His name, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Okay. We are going to be studying a subject that, I, to be honest with you, I had never gone in depth on until I heard a sermon on this particular subject, and I turned a single 25-minute sermon into a 13-week class. So that's how powerful some sermons are, right? That's how it works. I'm going to tell you about that sermon in just a minute, uh, but the class I, I am supposed to teach, along with my uh, other gentleman that will be helping me along the way, is Matthew, Matthew, Matthew uh, 
uh, through Luke. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're not doing John in this class, just those three Gospels. So naturally, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 1. Right? Because you know me, if we're going to start off in, Ma- in the first book of the New Testament, we're going to start off in the first book of the Bible. So go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 1 as I introduce this subject. I'm going to give you a date and a name of something so that you can hear the sermon done by somebody much more qualified than me. Uh, the sermon was, was preached at another congregation. But if you're on Facebook or you can go online, uh, the Gulf Shores Church of Christ, the date was April 18th. Now you can remember that's my birthday. That's one way to remember the 18th of April. Or you can remember the 18th of April of 75 and remember that story. But that's the date that this sermon was originally presented at that church. And what it, is, what it was about uh, was the image of God and what that really means. And it's a subject, to be candid, that until that sermon that day, I had just never, I had, I'm not saying I didn't ever study it as much as it was, I just never put it all together in the way that I should have. So, if you want to hear the sermon version of tonight's class, go to Gulf Shores Church of Christ, either Facebook or their website, go to April 18th, and you can hear the whole sermon in a much better way than what I will present it tonight. Uh, but if you want to know some details about this class, there will be myself teaching. You'll also have the privilege of hearing Brother Guy Gardner some and Brother Billy Martin. And so what we're going to do tonight is I will introduce the topic to you and where we're going. And so you have an idea of what you're going to learn in case you want to study ahead of us. And then you will also know that you will have three different people teaching through this class. You won't have to stare at me uh, for the next 13 weeks. And so image. There are images all around us. There's an image on the screen right there. Now, I don't have a PowerPoint. I'm never going to be that advanced for a class. But what does that image, what does that image imply to you? Oh, and by the way, I'm a people manager, and I have learned the most powerful way to get people to talk is for me to stop talking. So when I quit talking, that means you're supposed to talk could get very awkward and very long. So when I ask, what does this image apply to you? What do you think of? The first thing that comes to your mind, if you don't say something, it's going to be really awkward here for 20, 30 minutes. Now I'm going to chart the timer. All right, so the first comment we have actually goes to the actual heart of the, of the Scripture, right? Seek and do. Go out and seek people and then do what's right. Share the gospel with them. Anything, anyone else have a different thought when they first see that image? He had a mission. Going back to the verse itself. I'll be honest, when I see that image, that is not what comes to my mind. None of that. I wish it was, like y'all are very mature Christian ladies and I'm, I'm neither. So, anyone else have a different opinion when they see that particular slide? What's the first thing they think of? I got the Bible. Very good. I see I'm at Boonville Church of Christ. Now, I don't know if that's because I I used to help Jeremy a good bit with the video program and with the PowerPoints, and I know that there's some thought behind this, that this is our blank screen. 
But you won't see this image anywhere but Boonville Church of Christ. It's kind of our logo for this year. Now, you, I don't mean to, to, to belittle it at all, but that's what I think of. This is the logo, if you will, or what's going on. And look at the bottom there, Boonville Church of Christ. I even got our name on it. Now, yes, the other lessons are perfectly there. But you know what's amazing about image? The concept of an image? is every single person that answered that question is 100% right. Not a single person that responded is wrong. Now, there might have been a time in America where we could accept that. That there were different opinions on one subject and they were all correct. I think, unfortunately, we are no longer in that part of our society. We want to put people in this box over here, and they're right or they're wrong based on their opinion, or we're going to put people over here in this box, and they're right or wrong based on their opinion. When there's usually a whole lot of gray in between those two opinions. It's really funny, over the last year and a half, I have got put in, put in a variety of boxes on my beliefs and my responses to this vaccine and this COVID pandemic. What's funny is, is people that have put me in the variety of boxes have never gotten it right because they don't know me. And what's funny is, they're not listening to me. They're listening to all the other rhetoric. So then they put me where they want me, or they think I believe. Now, if you ever wanna know how I feel or believe about it, I'll sum it up real quickly. I'm 100% your choice. I'm Switzerland, I am completely neutral. How you choose to take care of your healthcare is your business. I will give you my opinion on how I take care of myself, and you are free to have it, or leave it, or take it. But here's the deal, there ain't a person on this earth, ain't a person on this earth that knows everything about what we're going through. No matter what they try to tell you, and no matter how many letters are behind their name, no one knows it all. Why? Because it ain't ever been here before. No one knows. Which is why I go back to I'm 100% pro-choice in this matter. But because of that, because I have defended the right of people that are way on this side to speak, and I have defended the right of people on way on this side right to speak, it's funny, both sides think I'm in the other box. And I'm like, I'm not in either box. What you see in this image is totally right. Totally right. That's the beauty of a picture. Whenever you have a picture, it says it's worth a thousand. Which one of the words is incorrect? The eye of the beholder. So now... Let's change this concept of image, this image behind us. Now, when I taught this down in the annex last quarter, it was beautiful because it was actually the week we had all the pictures of the seniors down there. I was able to point at individual pictures and go, what does that image of, insert senior's name, tell you about that person? And all of them had certain things in those images they literally wanted to portray to you because it's what they were proud of. This image portrays the people that visit with us this congregation wants to seek and do what's right. That's what we're trying to portray with this image, but it's our image. What was God trying to do when He created us in His image? Well, let's look at the verses. So 1 Genesis 1 
verse 26. And I have just realized that at the age of 41, my Bible is officially too far for me to read it. I evidently need a larger print, so I hope I don't do this real poorly. I might have to pick this joker up so I can see it. On the podium, it's fine, but down on that table, I can't read it anymore. Verse 26. Then God said, let us... Let who? Us. Who's us? He and Christ. Was the Spirit there? I don't know. I know Christ was. Now, how do I know Christ was? Because John tells us Christ was there. John tells us Christ was involved in creating everything. We know Christ was there. Could this also be referring to the angels in heaven? I don't know. Most scholars, will, most scholars will tell you that it's the Godhead. It's the three. The Spirit, Jesus, and God. They may be right. They may be wrong. That's okay. All we know is this was a plurality. I can say that with 100% conviction. There was more than one person that said, let us, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. This is important. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let's stop real quick. There's a couple of very important things in that verse that you have probably never really noticed before. What does it mean when God said, let us make man in our image? This is where you talk. Oh, Tammy Mooney, are you kidding me? You just took my whole next five minutes for that one second. She said reflection. Yes, y'all just teacher's pet right now, okay? Just put that in there. That's where we're going to go, but very good. What else? By the way, you're still right. You're still right, just not as good as that one. And now we have, like, Peter step number two. Being godly, doing what's right. Yes. What else? By the way, any traditional answers right here too. I'll listen to it. What? Man has a soul. Absolutely. God's a spirit. Man has a spirit. Yes. What else? Got some excellent answers going so far. You know what I'm amazed at? No one in the room so far has said, well, he, he, we look like him. Like we, 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 He has legs and, and arms and, and a torso and a head. No one said any of those things. There are people that contend that's what that means because of that next one that says, after our likeness. Those are two different statements, by the way. One is in our image, and then one is after our likeness. I personally believe there are two different things. I think we, yes, we have a, we have a reflection, and yes, we are supposed to be godlike. We did not know what crime was going to be like. It was up there, and it came down here, and that's what we got ready to talk Correct. Correct. Very, very good. Let's keep going. I'm going to use a, a work reference, and I try not to do that very often whenever I teach. Um, have any of you ever had an x-ray? Raise your hand. 
Wow, y'all have gotten a lot of sieverts in your life. Sieverts is a measure of radiation. How many of you have ever gotten an MRI? Say, congratulations, there's no radiation there. How many of you have gotten a CT? That's a lot of sieverts. But, you know what's unique about those three things? You know not a single one of those things tell me if you're alive or dead? I can roll Miss Tammy over here in an MRI machine, take a picture of her, and I, she has a heart, she has a lung, she has livers, liver, excuse me, not plural, um, kidneys, etc. I could take a cadaver from the morgue, roll it in an MRI machine or an x-ray machine or a CT, and I'm going to see those exact same things. One's dead, one's alive. That's just anatomy. That's all those machines tell you. Now, yeah, we're getting better with MRI and function, and we're getting better with CT, but in reality, they're anatomy. My field is function. I'm nuclear medicine. My job is to see what's going on inside of you from the inside out. I want to see the process, physiology, what is happening. Function, is the heart actually beating with blood that it's supplied to itself? Now that may sound really weird, but all it really means is does blood get to every part of your heart? Because if it doesn't, you've probably had a heart attack or two or three or four. And I can tell you exactly where they were using my medicine because it's a function medicine. The next part of this story tells us the function of that image. They are uniquely tied together. Now watch this as we go through this. God says, let us make it in our image after our likeness. And then boom, he tells you exactly what he expects mankind to do. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. I like that one personally. I enjoy catching fish. I'm cooking redfish tonight that I called about three months ago. I have dominion over the fish. Is that what that actually means? That I have the right to kill and eat them? You ever thought about that? It's not what it means. We're going to keep going real quick. And I'm going to tell you how I know that's not what it means, by the way. I'm just going to throw out a fact like that and just leave you hanging. I'm going to take care of you. And over the birds of the heavens. I love Labor Day because I get to go dove hunting. Now, I love to watch them fly, and I think they're beautiful, but I love eating them too. Wrapped in bacon, a little bit of cream cheese on a smoker, they're very good. Is that what God means when he says, have dominion over the fish, over the birds of the air? I don't think so. Let's keep going. And over the livestock. Jeremy, I'm going to tell a story on us real quick. Jeremy and I used to actually kill and butcher our own cows. And it was uniquely fun I can't really describe why because it sounds disgusting when I say it out loud but as a family we got together and we did that before Thanksgiving basically every year and we enjoyed doing that and we ate them for a year and they were good is that what the Bible's talking about no it's not and I'm gonna go where I'm going with this and then he says over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth to my knowledge, I don't eat anything that creeps on the earth. I don't like grasshoppers. I don't like worms. Not a big fan of maggots. Don't do any of those things. Okay? Does that mean I'm not fulfilling my function as, as God's image? 
No, because I don't think that's what it's talking about. Let's look at verse 27. So then he did it. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. Notice there are two genders listed. He created them. And God blessed them. And God said, be fruitful. Now, here's the, here's the commandment. He said, this is what we need to do. We need to make them in our image. We need them, we need them to have dominion over the creation. Because he noticed that he actually went in the order that things were created. The, the, the fish were created before the birds. The birds were created before the beasts of the field. He said, we're going to give them dominion over that. And then he tells the man, whenever man is created, he says, you are going to rule... Wait, wait, wait I'm sorry. I got ahead of myself. You need to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. What is the first function of mankind in the creation story, according to God? The first commandment they were given. No. That's the second. What's the first commandment they were given? I literally just read it. Be fruitful and multiply was what was said, and that is the correct answer. That was the first thing he told Adam and Eve. There ain't enough of you. Make more. That's what he said. That's not perverse. That's none of that. That's just what he said. Make more of you. Fill the earth. Why did they need to do that? Well, let's look at the next part of the verse. And have dominion excuse me, and subdue it, meaning the earth, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So let's get this right. He said, make more of you so you can rule over the earth and subdue it. I'm going to blow your mind. Never thought about that. I personally, y'all may have, y'all are a lot smarter than I am. I had never thought of until this study what that actually meant. Adam and Eve were supposed to be the gods of earth. I'm not talking Greek mythology mess. That's not what I'm getting at. Look at the reference. Who rules in heaven? And what does he do to the angels? He has dominion over them. Does he subdue them? You betcha. Here's the mark. You get to stay here and you get to live in heaven. And be my ministers on earth. You choose another lifestyle, you go to the lake of fire. Mankind on earth, pre-sin. Here's the earth. Rule over it. Put it under subjection to you. Take care of it. Does God take care of heaven? Absolutely He does. It's His city. We were supposed to take care of the earth. Now, how do I know when he says dominion, he wasn't referring to meals? Well, let's keep looking. He says in verse 29, and God said, Behold, I have given you... Who's he talking to? The first two people ever created. I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. Were the fish listed... Were the birds of the air listed? Were the cattle listed or the creeping things listed? No. What were they supposed to eat? They were supposed to be vegetarians. 
pre-sin, they were supposed to be vegetarians. So what does dominion mean? It means you are supposed to take care of it. Let me give you a reference you might understand. Dwight Farr, Dad, if you watch this, I love you. Just sorry, I'm going to be candid. My dad believes if you go fishing and you catch a fish inside the slot limit, it is to go on the ice and to be eaten for meat. Whether you need it or not, that's his expectation. Me personally, if I catch three snapper and I'm done fishing, I'm like, hey, let's go. But there's seven left in the limit. I don't care, don't want them. Guess what we do? We stay and we wait. It's the way he was raised. There's nothing wrong with that per se. But how many Facebook posts have you seen with someone with 80 crappie on the back of a truck and go, Woo, they were biting today! And you know as well as I do, half of them may get eaten. By the time the rest of them get done with the freezer, you ain't going to want them anymore. Now, if you share them with your friends and you feed other people, that's fine. But there's a difference in taking care of a resource and abusing a resource just because it exists. Do y'all understand the difference? Now, I know for some of you, I just sounded like a left-wing environmentalist. I'm not. The redfish I'm eating tonight are fish that I needed for meat. I'm not keeping any more. Why? Because I don't need any more right now. I had some people contact me earlier in the summer. Man, you were tearing them up down there. Yep. And all of a sudden, the picture stopped. What's the assumption they make? No longer catching fish. Nope. Just not keeping them all. It's kind of like people that go deer hunting and they buy other people's tags because they want to kill more deer. Then you'll see a post, hey, got a whole deer, who wants it? Okay. Is that the way God would take care of heaven? Think through it. And if you really think through this, you will literally look at your dog and cat in a different way. Because it's your job to take care of the creation. The fish of the sea, the creepy crawlies, the cattle, and the birds of the air. It's your job to do those things. It's your function. Quite literally, it was the second command given to Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and multiply so that you can subdue the earth, take care of it. How are we going to take care of it? Well, it's not eating them. Because I'm supposed to be eating grains and rice and stuff that grows on trees, according to Genesis. What changed? Well, I don't know. Let's keep reading here because it's interesting. He then goes on to say, he says, verse 30, And to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. There is nothing more amazing that I'm aware of, that I have personally ever witnessed in the wild. I'm going to make sure I don't overstate that. I'm thinking through, but I, I can't come up with one. Then watch an osprey. Now an osprey is a bird that's kind of in the falcon eagle type family. Be flying so high you don't even notice it in the sky. And next thing you know, with pinpoint precision, this thing will fly down, extend its two talons, and pluck some unexpected fish right out of the ocean. Boop! And it just takes off. And you're like, how in the world did that happen? 
Watch an owl at night sometime. It's really amazing. Here's the crazy thought. They weren't originally doing that. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me that. They were originally eating grass. What changed? This is where I'm going to be quiet again, let you talk. What changed from Genesis 1 to the world you now live in? Not a trick question. What? Sin. Sin changed the world forever. Now, that reflection thing that I said Miss Tammy gets, gets the gold star for. We were supposed to be God-like on earth. We were supposed to take care of this creation, and it was going to be basically our earthly home. And from all intents and purposes, it did not really appear that mankind was going to die. They lived a long time back then, even after sin entered the world. We were supposed to do that. We were supposed to present God to the creation. This is what God is like. We were to reflect Him in every way. Meaning, we should do what God would do, when He would do it, and with, this is the hard one, and with the motivation He would do it with. Now see, that's the one that gets you tripped up. You can justify a lot of things, but when you get to that last step, the reason he would do it, that, 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 that trips us up. I'm going to say that one more time. To truly reflect God, we should do what God would do when he would do it for the motivation or the reason that he would do it. And if we could do that, we would truly reflect like a mirror God. And that's what we were supposed to do. But then sin entered the world, and that mirror that we were supposed to be got broken. Now, if you watch the sermon that I told you about at the beginning, he actually had three big mirrors, but given inflation, I just didn't go buy three mirrors. I'm sorry. And he had a mirror at the beginning that was there that was good, and in the middle he had one that was broken. That broken mirror is where we've been ever since, meaning we can no longer properly reflect God because we have evil within us. Now you're fixing to learn why this is a good study for Matthew through Luke. Somebody had to fix the mirror. Now, is this actually in the Scriptures, or is Jonathan just pulling our legs? I hope I'm fixing to blow your mind when we go through these Scriptures real fast, real fast, because I don't have a lot more time. Someone was supposed to fix the mirror. In other words... Jesus Christ was supposed to fix the mirror so He would be our image of God. He would reflect God for us. Now, how did that happen? He had to take on our punishment on the cross so that that could happen. So that, as James said, we could be made perfect in Christ. Because we're not. We are a broken mirror. And yeah, you can kind of look at a broken mirror, but... You can't really see things in a broken mirror. But let's flip over to the New Testament. Let's just do a rapid, rapid tour. And we're looking for a few key words. We're looking for image or any derivation of that word. Meaning any other word that image could mean or replace. If you can plate image out and it means the same thing. Picture would be that type of word. Those type of things. So the first verse I want you to go 
going to the point I just made, and I got a little ahead of myself. Romans 3.23, most of you probably already know this verse. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Okay, so we've all sinned. So how do we get this fixed? How do we get that mirror that I talked about? How do we get that fixed? How can we reflect God again? We need Christ. How do I know that? Because it, it literally just told me that. Now flip over to Romans 8. And we're going to start with verse 18. Like I said, this has to go fast. Now when I talk about the creation is not happening the way it was supposed to, when I get done with this section of Scripture, you may never look at a white-tailed deer the same again. I'm not trying to ruin your life, okay? If that's what you love, that's fine. I support you, 100%. Okay? I'm not saying it's wrong. It's not wrong. But I want you to look at this, and I want you to read this from the creation's perspective. What is creation? Everything other than us. Listen to it. Verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Now that's talking about us, the sufferings that we're currently dealing with. Insert, pick a thing. COVID-19, cancer, long-term illness, death of a loved one. All that stuff is because of sin. And he says none of it's going to compare to the glory that will be revealed to us in heaven. Okay? Sounds good. Verse 19. For the creation, wait, what? For the creation waits with eager longing. It means it's tired. It's been looking for it for so long, it's tired. And by the way, this was 2,000 years ago. With eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Meaning, they want us to take our rightful place. But we're not there, because we all have sin. Verse 20, For the creation, going back to that, was subjected to futility, not willingly. In other words, it was not their choice. But because of Him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Let's review that and slow it down just a little bit, and I'll summarize it the best I can. Creation is tired of waiting on us to take our spot. Did I sum it up enough for you? Well, am I sure on that? Well, let's keep reading. It gets worse. For we know that the whole creation has been... This just makes you sad. Groaning together... Whose fault is it? Which cow did this to deserve this? Which line did this to deserve this? What osprey or eagle did something wrong to deserve this? Has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. See, we always stop with the woman has her childbearing in priest. But according to Romans, it happened to all of them, not just us. Now, I personally have literally pulled a calf out of a cow. Not a pleasurable experience for me personally. 
but she was definitively in pain. It was amazing. The moment the calf came out, she stood right up. Blows my mind. But she groaned. Now, I don't remember if Jeremy was with me on that particular occasion, but I have no doubt, because of where he lived, that he knows exactly what I'm talking about. She groaned. She wasn't supposed to. Whose fault is that? It's all of us. Go back to Romans 3. For all have sinned. It's all of us. Let's keep growing. Verse 23, And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Aaron preached about peace this morning. That's kind of what this is talking about. Have you ever heard someone that's reached some later years in life use the phrase, I'm just tired? Are they talking about physical tiredness when they say that? I've never known one talking about physical tiredness when they use it in that phrase. We know it in ourselves that we're doing it. Now let's flip, flip, skip a few in the interest of time and get down to verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed. Somebody read those next three words. Whoa! You ever put the image of God in Genesis with Romans right there? I didn't. I missed it. He predestined us to be, let me make sure I word that word that right, to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. In other words, if you don't become the image of Christ, if you don't reflect Christ in your life, you're not doing your job as a Christian. This class is going to go through acts in Jesus' life, both when His personal life, things that He was confronted with, and His teachings. And we're just going to see how we measure up to who we're supposed to. Because we're supposed to be conformed to His image. We should reflect Christ. But see, I could stop there and, and, and we would be done. I would just link two scriptures you may have never linked before. But unfortunately, or not unfortunately, fortunately for me, i got seven more minutes. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 49. Oh, this is another good one. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Now that should be one of those phrases everybody in the church says, Amen. Because what that's saying is, is you were created out of dust, but because of Christ, you're going to be converted or changed to the image of of what? What did it say? How the verse end? We were the image of dust. Now what are we? What? I can't hear you. You're too far back there. The image of God. Now, 2 Corinthians 3.18, in interest of time. 2 Corinthians 3.18, we're going to keep moving. 
And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, it just keeps coming, folks, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Who's doing the transforming? It's not hard. We're being transferred from one form of glory to another into that same image of one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord. In other words, you're going to be transformed from that Son of God you were supposed to be to that heavenly, faith, that heavenly being, that glory of God. Let's keep going, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Now, God of this world is not referring to, to God, okay? That's referring to Satan. To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God? We were created in His image. What's the difference in us and Christ? Christ is what? Christ is the image of God. So you know all these times you've been told as you've been in church that you're supposed to reflect Jesus or people to see Jesus in you? It's a lot bigger than that, by the way. And I missed it for most of my life. And I'm not done. I had no idea that image of God or that phrase was used nearly as many times in the Bible as it actually is. Let's keep going. Colossians 1.15 He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Who is? Who's that talking about? Jesus Christ, that's right. He is the image of God. Who are you supposed to be like? Jesus Christ. You went in that water, you said, I'm going to be like Him. You said, I'm going to follow Him. I'm going to put Him on. As we go through this study of Matthew through Luke, whew, it's like the standard is here, and the best I got is somewhere like way down here. We're going to do the cross, I believe, four weeks. Just the cross. For four weeks. It's going to wear you out. It's going to wear you out. Just, just the cross. Before we get to anything else, just that one thing. Turn over to Colossians 3, verse 10. Colossians 3, verse 10 says, And have put on the new self, talking about the water we just talked about, which is being renewed in knowledge, after the image of its creator. Anybody surprised how many times the phrase image of God comes up in the New Testament? And by the way, you're not getting them all tonight. There's more than this. You're just getting the spackling for me to make the point that when God said, I'm creating you in my image, He meant a lot more than walking around. A lot more. We're going to collude... collude conclude with Hebrews 1 verse 3. Now this is one of those verses that technically uses a different word than image, but I think you'll get the point. 
He is the radiance of the glory of God. In other words, He shines, radiates, shines like God. And the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. All right, now hang on. I don't want to skip over that exact imprint. You ever know how a mold works? A mold in manufacturing can make the same thing thousands of times. It's not a copy machine that loses its ability to keep making the same copy. Molds don't work that way. It says God, Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. Again, class, who are we supposed to emulate? Okay, that's a tall order. Let's keep going, though. After making purification for sins, that's why we're starting at the cross, because that's where he made the purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. When did Jesus sit down? After he got done at work on the earth. Yes. After he did his job, he sat down. Now, we all know that is not that he is still active. I'm not trying to imply that he is not. The point I'm making, on, the point I'm making is he was the exact imprint while on earth. And then when he purified, when he was crucified, when he went through that purification of sins, that's when he sat down. And it says he is so much superior to the angels. He is now worthy to have his name, Prince of Peace. Keep naming them, right? Emmanuel, all those names, he's now worthy to have them because he did it. Unfortunately for us, he should have never had to. We just messed it up. We broke the mirror, and he's been trying to fix it ever since. So I encourage you as you go through this, if you want to study any part of the cross, that's fine. But it's going to be about the next month we're going to be going through the cross. It's not just going to be about the punishment. There's a lot of lessons from the cross that happen besides him getting beaten and hung on that cross. We're going to bring out some of those things. I know that I need to mention this. God's invitation is always open. Uh, we have some elders here in the building, so if you have anything that you need to share with the elders, ask forgiveness of sins, or need us to pray about anything, uh, please see me right after class, one of the elders, etc. Thank you so much for your attention tonight, and I hope you're looking forward to the study of Matthew through Luke. Have a great, great night.